Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Open your Bibles, please, to the passage that Pastor has been preaching on. And, uh, you know, I've known your pastor longer than you have. And I will say that, that you are blessed with a godly, anointed man of God that loves you deeply. And when we talked on the phone, it's almost like, you know, I just, just need to know how much I love these people that God has entrusted to him to shepherd. And I am delighted to be here to, uh, to be in this space and this time. We're going to be picking up with where Pastor has left off in the last few weeks. He's been talking about this wonderful Sermon on the Mount. You remember the story that Jesus comes into the world. He always existed, but he took on flesh and he dwelt among us. And after he was baptized uh, in the Jordan River, he goes off into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. He comes back out after 40 days and then he takes a group of people up onto a mountainside and he begins to just share his heart about the goodness of the kingdom of God. And as he begins to share about the goodness of the kingdom of God, he is well aware that people that he's talking to are like you. They're like me. They're people that have a history. There's people that come from families of origin. There's people that, that have their birth order, their, their history, their habits, their personality, their temperaments, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of those things that have helped make us who we are. And he invites them to sit down and he begins to teach them about the goodness and the kingdom of God. What is it that God has in mind for us? And he talks about the kingdom and the kingdom of God is like this and the kingdom of God is like that. He uses a lot of stories and parables. And now he takes us into, if you take your Bibles, please, and open them up to uh, Matthew chapter 6, and this will be uh, uh, similar to what you heard last week from Pastor when he talks about the emotional life of those that are listening. And Jesus is well aware of our frailties. He's well aware of our need. He's well aware of our habits to worry, worry, worry about things that we have no control over. I'd like to prove that to you. By the way, I just... Just let you know how grateful that not only am I to be here, but uh, I'm glad to be anywhere. Twelve years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma cancer. My, it eats away at your bones. My spine fell apart. My hips were full of holes. I was off of my feet for over eight months and didn't know if I'd ever walk again, didn't know if I'd ever be still around. And just the fact that I actually get a chance to be with you today is a great blessing. And I, I don't take it lightly, and I give praise to the Lord Jesus Christ for the touch upon my life and to be able to share his word with you today. And I'm praying that we'll be able to take the truth of God's word the long distance from the head to the heart. And I thank God for our worship team today. As, as I listen to some of these songs, you know, the fact that he knows you, those, those walls that were there that are now broken down, the, the fact that he knows what you need, the fact that he's enough, the fact that he knows the sparrows and he knows your life and he knows your future. And I just tell you, this is, this is the God that we serve. And I just, I bring this to you today and I pray that when you leave today, long after you, fe- you forget Dr. Leakey, Leachy, whatever his name was, but you'll remember these things, that you'll remember that because of Jesus Christ, 
I am lovable, that I am valuable, that I am forgivable, that I am changeable, and that I'm never alone. And that's going to affect your mind, it's going to affect your soul, and it's going to have an effect on your emotional life. That's our topic today. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25, uh, we're going to talk about emotions. We're going to talk about what emotions are what they're not, ways that they're healthy, sometimes they're unhealthy, how they can dominate our life, the purpose of emotions. In other words, you're going to leave here today, you'll be, an, you'll be something emotional, hopefully not an emotional wreck, but you'll be emotionally healthy, or at least on the road to being emotionally healthy. God's Word, Matthew 6, beginning with verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not your life more important than food? That's kind of a rhetorical question. You can answer if you like. Is your life not more important than food? Is your life, is your body more important than clothes? Even the designer clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor they reap, or store away in barns. And yet, whose heavenly Father? Your heavenly Father. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I mean, how, I don't know how many birds you're worth today. Maybe 10 or 15,000 <laughs> rare birds or more. He says, you're worth more than they. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Let's do an experiment. You ready? You have a psychologist come. You know you're going to do an experiment. All right, so what I'd like you to do is for the next five minutes, or five minutes, five seconds, five seconds, I want you just to worry as much as you can. All right, you ready? I'll, count, I'll do the countdown. I mean, I want you to worry like you've never worried before. You ready? Go. Okay. How many of you were, at, were able to add one day to your life? How many of you were to add one inch to your stature because you worried? And Jesus said, no, you can't do that. He says, why do you worry about clothes? Verse 28, he says, see how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor. They don't spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more? Those words we sang today in the song, much more, much more, much more. How much does God love us? Much more. Jesus Christ died upon a cross when we were his enemies. God loved us so much that he did not spare his son, but he gave his son while we were yet enemies. Christ died for us. And then the scripture says, how much more does he love us now? 
And so over and again, this is the much more God. How much more? He says, oh, you of little faith. That word little faith is, a, is an interesting word. It's used only a couple of times in the New Testament. It means knuckleheads. <laughs> Oligopistoi. It's the you knotheads. Like get it, you know. And he's saying it with a good sense of humor. I'm sure he smiled. He says, look. You're worrying about all these things you have no control over in your life. You're worrying about clothes, and you're worrying about food, and you're worrying about your days, and you're worrying, worry, worry. Does God not love you much more, you knuckleheads, you little faiths? So do not worry, saying, oh, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But watch this. You ready? Verse 33. Here's your priority. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore... We used to always say, when you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. Therefore, therefore, in light of all of this, that your father's there, Jesus, I'm, he says, I'm with you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We're going to talk about emotions. There's four core emotions, and we'll talk about these other passages of Scripture in just a moment. But I, my question to you is, what in the world are emotions? I mean, what about this emotional life that we have? We all have them, and your emotions can either be your friend or they can be your foe. They can either be something that enhances your life or it can be something that degrades your life. You are any, a mindful person. You're a body person, but you are also an emotional person. We've tried to see these sometimes in the movies, right? Some of you remember this one. Uh, you, kind, you kind of get that person right there. And she's there, and she's got all these emotions going on inside of her. And then you had this one whole series where... The guy said, what do you mean, feelings? It's not what? It's not logical. Like, can you imagine a whole world of Spocks? I mean, can you imagine how dull that would be? Where every, That's not logical. That's not logical. That's, we're not going to feel. Kind of like he flatlines on the emotional life. It's like, if it's not, if, I mean, where's the joy? Where's the color? Where's the beauty? Where's the dance? Where's the music? Where's the art? Where's the emotions? Where's the love? Where's the feelings that you have? Where's the exuberance that we have even in our times of worship? And Spock would say, well, that's not logical. Well, I can tell you that there is something that is important about our wholesome faith in God. And Jesus reminds us of this in his word. He says, your father already knows your father's got you your father knows you and you and you and you he knows you and he knows what you need and he says look focus on the most important things seek 
First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things that he knows that you need, God will provide for you. It's a life that is more than just a belief system. It's actually the way that we really, truly live our lives. God is mind. God has a mind. He thinks. He plans. He desires. He wills. But God is also a God of emotion. There's a time of rejoicing. There's a time of sadness. There's a time of hurt. There's a time of pain. Ecclesiastes reminds us that to everything there is a season, that God is the full range of our emotional life, and God has emotions too. Those emotions can sometimes get really bundled up within us. And we know that what is on the inside of us has a way of coming to the outside of us. In other words, your face and your body oftentimes give testimony as to the emotional life inside. Jesus said that it is out of the abundance of the things that are what? Stored in the heart that the mouth speaks, but it's not just your mouth. It's your eyes. It's your crunching. It's your looking away. It's your body language. All of these things are a relationship of what's going on on the inside of you. You know that your emotions are expressed oftentimes through your body. That's why we get headaches, backaches, stomach aches, upper GI, lower GI. In other words, we have, you talk about people being a pain in the you know, back and other places. But, you know, that's, that's always because it becomes something related to our body, related to our emotions. So what are emotions? Do you know that you are actually born, and this is, uh, this is the big word of the day. You'll see it again on the exam. If I say, let me say it again. Now, if I say, let me say it again, that means you're going to see it again on the exam. I'm just warning you. Here they are. Do you know that we have four congenital emotions? Now, what does that mean? Congenital means that you are born with them. You come hardwired with them. You don't have to be taught them. And when you are born, you are glad, or you are sad, or you are mad, or you are scared. Those are four core emotions from which every other emotion develops. And may I say, can you eyeball me for a minute? Do you know that you are an emotional person about two years before you are a verbal person? We feel feelings long before we have words to identify them. So we have these core emotions. We say that they're glad, sad, mad, or scared. And when a baby comes out of the womb, they are all one of them. You don't have to teach them. I mean, they are all angry or they're all glad. And we always try to get their eyes and goo, goo, goo so that they smile, and, you know, so that they stop being afraid or something like that. But, the, but when you're born, you have these four core emotions. And what are they? They are you're either all glad or all sad or all mad or all afraid or scared. And when, listen, then when we get words later on, we develop language, 
we're able to express those emotions through our words and we're able to regulate, hopefully, we're able to regulate the expression of our feelings. So therefore, if I say, well, I'm just a little bit irked today, or I'm just a little bit off today, or I'm a little bit irritated, that's a little different from, I can't believe that she would do that. I am so angry. They're all the same emotion. They're just at different levels. Yes or yes? You with me so far? Okay. Are you glad you came? This is going to be, this is about Jesus saying to his people on the mountain, you are worn out with care. You're worn out with anxiety about things that you don't have control over. And let me tell you what's really important. Seek first the kingdom of God. So here's this baby. It's all whatever that feeling is. And so let's unpack it just a little bit, if that's okay. Let's unpack these four emotions. First of all, there's the emotion that we call sadness or sometimes depression or we're down or we've got the blues or we're really, really out of sorts or we're just really, really down. Sometimes we use the word in my world, we use the word anhedonia. Now that means, uh, an means without, hedonia means without pleasure. In other words, someone who is anhedonic means that they don't have much good. As we used to say, someone licked all the red off of their suckers. <laughs> I mean, nothing seems to be going well. You've had those times. In fact, every one of us experiences all four of these emotions at different levels. Sometimes it's hormonal. Sometimes it's you know, it's situational. Sometimes it's just internal. Sometimes it's our thought life. But all of us experience all of these emotions from time to time. So what happens with sadness or depression? Sometimes there's that absence of pleasure. Sometimes it affects our sleep. And may I say, if you don't get enough sleep, you're going to get sick. There are certain neurochemicals that are only replenished in your brain when you are sleeping at night. Sometimes people, when they get down, they either tend to overeat. That's me. I mean, I, you, we call it what kind of food? Come on, a little bit louder. Is anybody over in the second auditorium that can say it a little bit louder? <laughs> it's comfort stuff. There's sometimes when people are down, they gain weight, and there's other times when you are down that you don't feel like you can eat at all, so that you lose weight. There's negative thinking that goes on. There is a, it's, in other words, your, your, your depression can have some spiritual-like symptoms. Your depression will almost inevitably have some kind of physical expression, a lot of times through your face, through your body, just, you just feel really down. Or if there's been a loss in your life, there's been a breakup of a significant relationship that people actually have been known to die of a broken heart. I think of David, for example. Oftentimes there's a whole series of psalms called the imprecatory psalms. 
Now, you don't need to remember that other than to say there's psalms of honesty. There's psalms of complaint where David's hiding in the cave and these other people are seem like they're prospering. And he says to God, God, just in case you missed it, these guys who don't love you, they're getting ahead. And I, your anointed one, am hiding in a cave. Break their teeth out and dash their kids on the stones. You say that's in the Bible? Yes. I'm glad God doesn't answer all of our prayers, but I will tell you this, in the midst of your pain, of your depression, God does not condemn you for your honesty to call out to him. And there's times when God seems very distant to you. It seems like sometimes your prayers don't get above the ceiling. I feel alone, I feel lonely, I feel left behind, I feel left out, I've been hurt, I've been shamed, I feel depressed. I will tell you that sometimes that depression, well, listen, if you just do a cursory look throughout the scripture, you're going to see a lot of the heroes of faith that went through depression. You think about Cain and Abel, and, and Cain and Abel, and God says to Cain, listen, look at this, look at the language that he uses. Why is your face so downcast. You understand that his emotions were being expressed in his facial features. Tell me that's interesting. I think it's fascinating. And then you see people like Hagar, uh, who was left out, left behind, condemned, and she was pushed out into the wilderness, and she was all alone. And God comes to her, and he comforts her. And then you say nothing of, of Job and Elijah and Jonah, you know, you think about these heroes of the faith that, that went through discouragement and depression and they were down, but they weren't out. And then you think about that whole idea of depression. Sometimes, listen, can I just have your eyeballs? This is really key because sometimes you may be in this spot and somehow think that God is mad at you or God doesn't love you anymore. And sometimes depression can have spiritual-like symptoms. It's the only mental disorder that can have spiritual-like symptoms that are not necessarily spiritual in its origin. Now, you're going to think about that. Because a lot of times you feel like somehow God's angry at me, God's mad at me, and I must have done something really wrong. Now, if the Holy Spirit convicts you and it's a known sin, you confess it, and you, you do 1 John 1, 9, and you confess your faults, and you confess your sin to the Lord, and you receive forgiveness for that. But sometimes you're going to feel down, and it's going to feel like a spiritual battle, but it's not spiritual in its origin. There's sometimes people that have been hurt in life and wounded in life. You've been put down and shamed and abused, and there's been hurt in your life, and it has affected your body, it's affected your mind, it's affected your self-concept, it's affected your whole person, that you're not good enough, you're not tall enough, small enough, wide enough, thin enough, you're not enough, that somehow that this comes to you and this affects your mind and it affects your body. So how do you deal with depression? Well, one of the things you do, if it's just a mild case of the blues, what you need to do is get busy, get moving. You need to get that rake out. You need to get that sponge out and wash the car and rake the leaves and do some wallpapering. Well, maybe not that, but, but you get the idea. You need to keep your body busy. 
But if it's a severe depression that is prolonged, it becomes debilitating, you may need to see a professional and or see, it, get, see a physician to get some help. But make sure that your diet is good. That's what Elijah had to do. And may I say, it's oftentimes after a great win or a great victory in your life that you have the biggest down in your emotional life. Elijah faced that when he faced the prophets of Baal, and he won that battle, and they were all gone, and he had this great victory for the Lord. He instantly went into a clinical depression. And what did God do? Condemn him? No. What God said was, look, come away for a little while, get some rest, have a special diet, and get some sleep, and be away from your major responsibilities for a little while, and over time, his depression lifted. And may I say, guess what? That's the way that we do it now in 2023. That's how we treat depression. We pull people away from their major responsibilities. We give them a special diet. We put them on rest. Sometimes they need some additional assistance. But oftentimes that's what it's going to take for a while to get your brain chemistry levels back up. So make sure you're eating well and make sure you're sleeping well. I mean, your dog may need a little extra rest. But the fact is, is you've got to have some sleep because there's certain neurochemicals that are only replaced in your brain when you sleep. Now, what about fear and anxiety? It's kind of like, the, I'm afraid, this is what Jesus was talking about here in Matthew chapter 6. He said, you are so worried about things, A, that you don't have any control over, and you forget the fact that God the Father has already got these covered. He knows what you need. He's going to provide what you need because you are his child, and these are things that lead to anxiety and worry, 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 worry. You're worrying about all these things. You see, in moderation, a little bit of worry is probably a good thing, yes or yes? In other words, I don't stick my finger into an electrical socket because I know I'm worried a little bit of what could happen. You have kids as they walk across the street. You want them to be careful, cautious, to look both back and forth about 10 times before they cross the street. That's, that's a little bit of, in moderation, it's a good thing. But, but worry in excess can be debilitating to your life. It can be something that absolutely brings you down. It can lead into something that's generalized, and it becomes you're anxious about everything, and you're worried about everything, and you just want to give up. Remember, it is God's will that I should cast on him my care each day. He also bids me not to cast my confidence away, but oh, I am so unwise that when taken unawares, I cast away my confidence and I carry all my cares. And he says, our Lord says, cast your cares upon me. I'm talking to you today because you're an emotional person. You have emotions those emotions can either be your friend or they can be your foe. Those emotions can either enhance your life or they can debilitate your life. And you are in a church here today amongst brothers and sisters and pastors and leaders and, and all of the amazing programs and what God's doing to transform this community. And yet we're sitting here today and we're emotional persons. And some of you today really need a touch of God in your life 
emotionally. You know, anger is a third emotion that we'll talk about. Anger is one of these emotions. Can I just, this is a big point because some people say, somehow, Lord, you're going to transform me so I'll never get angry again. Do you know that Jesus got angry? Several instances in Scripture, one of them was he was angry at the money changers ripping off the people, and so he took his time to form a whip, and he drove them out of the temple. There was another time someone was there with a withered hand in the temple, and he looked around at all the the, the religious leaders, and he says, is it lawful for me to heal this man on the Sabbath? And Jesus was angry because they had to think about it. And he looked at them, and the scripture says he looked at them in anger. So you see, there is a righteous anger. There is an anger without sin. In fact, the scripture says, in your anger, do what? Do not sin. That means it's possible to be angry and not sin. Anger is a wonderful servant. It is a terrible master. Anger is an emotion that is formed in you when you feel frustrated, when you experience some kind of frustration in your life. The person in front of you misses the green light and they make you sit through another round of the red light. That produces anger in you. Someone in the, someone's not moving fast enough in the line at the store and you feel frustrated. That produces anger. Do you see that anger energy? Listen, please hear me. That anger energy can be used very productively. It'll rake your leaves. It'll wash your car. It'll clean the house. It'll, uh, you know, if you're, if you're married, it'll have good intimacy. Uh, someone we usually say, uh, someone in the second auditorium is going to say amen to that, I can tell you. But I can tell you, but in other words, it, it's something that can be motivating for good. It's energy. But that energy can be used for bad. It can be used for something that gets out of hand. It can get to be something that uh, controls you. Anger is a wonderful servant. It is a terrible master. Are you with me? You see, well, it can get out of hand. It can, you know, if you blow up, it hurts people. If you clam up, that anger energy will fester around and kind of get really yucky inside of you and probably have some kind of a body symptom. So you have to find a healthy way to get that anger channeled out in a good and healthy way. In fact, the scripture says to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. All right, let's talk about the fourth congenital emotion, happier joy. Happens to be part of the fruit of the spirit. It's positive, it's loyal, it's grateful, it's optimistic, it's loving, it's peaceful, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's looking for the good. It's, it's the person that you like to be around. It's the person whose presence is joyful. It's laughter and smiling and it's kind of like our greeters out here today. I mean, you don't want that person out there to be overwhelmed with anger, right, or worry or sadness. I, hello. Really glad you're here today at Calvary. No. I mean, these people are out there, and they're pouring out their lives, and their, their ministry is to greet you with joy and say, thank you for coming today. We're happy that you're here. 
And, and you need to be thankful for every person that's doing every single thing to make this whole church experience your family. These are people that, that sometimes that the joyfulness, and Jesus says, don't worry. You don't be overcome by your anxiety. And then yet we have people among us that are the flunkouts and the dropouts and the burned outs and the broke and the broken and the drug heads and the divorced and the, the HIV positive and the herpes ridden and the brain damaged and the incurably ill. And Jesus says, don't worry. Really? Be anxious for nothing? Listen, there's all kinds of things. And people that have gone through the breakup of a marriage, you know that in at least 80% of the cases that one of those people did not want that. It's been painful. It's been rejection. It's been hurt in their life. Jesus keeps saying, look, here's the word for that person in your group, in your family who's been barren or pregnant uh, too many times or at the wrong time. That's the person who is overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable. It is the swindled, the shoved aside, the broke, the broken, the replaced. And Jesus says, be anxious for nothing? Really? There's a whole lot to be anxious about, yes or yes. Those people that parents with children living on the street, the lonely, the incompetent, the mentally challenged, the emotionally starved, or the emotionally dead, and he still says, be anxious for nothing? Let me just tell you that, that one of the amazing things about our emotional life is that we can have healthy ways to experience and to express our emotions. But worrying is not going to add a single day to your life. But you embrace your emotions. You thank God for your emotions. You find ways to express your emotions through arts and creativity and music and dance. And you find ways to express your emotions in healthy ways. The creativity, the decorations, the orderliness, all of those things that help you have something that we call emotional health. But the key thing is what Jesus said here, that you seek first the kingdom of God, develop that relationship with Jesus, and you do that by developing five habits in your life. Here they are. Number one, that you develop the habit of humility. Number two, that you develop the habit of humility. And number three, and number four, and number five. In other words, that means that God is God and I am his child. I am going to place my trust, my confidence in him. And if you're here today and you have had a rough go of it in your emotional life, I want you to say before the Lord with humility, you are the Lord. I trust you. I trust in your goodness. I trust in your faithfulness. I trust in the fact that you have declared over me that I am lovable and valuable and forgivable and changeable, that I'm not going to be alone, that you, God Almighty, the maker of heavens and earth, the, cre the, the universe, the seas, everything that's in it, you understand my heart and you understand my need and you are the one that's going to come into my life and you say to me, you don't don't need to be overwhelmed and overcome by anxiety and worry and cares of your life. I've got you. That's true. I've got you. I can tell you that that leads to a healthy concept of God. It leads to a healthy concept of yourself. It leads to some good fellowship with the Father. 
And here's what the scripture says. We understand that we come hardwired with fear, with sadness, with anger, with joy. And the Lord says, renew your mind, knowing that when you renew your mind, it's going to seep down into your emotional life. And I say to you, when you wake up in the morning, do your daily briefing, you get the word of God out and you open it up and you say, Lord, speak to me today by your Holy Spirit. Speak to me by your word. It's a daily briefing. I call it your quiet time. Read systematically, study the word of God hear large portions of the word and you hide the word of God in your heart and I will tell you that when you do that you're going to start to see a change and a shift in your emotional life beloved that's God's promise to you that's why Jesus took the time on the sermon on the mount and says I already know that you're worrying about this and you're worrying about that and you're worn out with care this and I can tell you Jesus says the father already knows what you need he says seek him first allow him to seep through your mind into your heart into that depth of your emotion and I will tell you, it's kind of in summary and conclusion, if we go to that other passage of Scripture, if you take your Bibles and open them up to Philippians chapter 4, I want to share with you something that this is called really important. Are you ready for something really important? Here it is. Do you know that you cannot have opposite emotions at the same time in your life? One of those emotions is going to inhibit the other. In my world, you know, when you have psychologists, you have all these highfalutin psychobabble words. Here it's called. It's called reciprocal inhibition. Blah, blah, blah. All that means is you cannot have opposite emotions at the same time. You're either going to be full of anxiety or you're going to be full of peace. You're going to have lots of joy or you're going to be really down. You can't be both at exactly the same time. Watch this as we close. Philippians chapter 4. God's Word. Oh, you're going to love this. The Holy Spirit, through the writer, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. It's almost like he's like a professor. I'm going to say it again. Let me say it one more time. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Can I just say this to you? Please hear this. The Lord is near. The Lord's near to you. The Lord is near to you right now. He says, the Lord is near. And then in verse 6, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Everything by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And thank God for anything. God is good. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, the seat of your emotions, and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
And then he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, knowing that whatever you have learned or received from us, it's going to go deep from your thinking to bring healing to your emotions. You are lovable and you are valuable and you're forgivable and you're changeable. And you understand that's why Jesus says what he says. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. He knows you and he loves you and he's with you and he's always going to be with you and he's never, ever, 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 ever going to leave you alone. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you so much. I'm going to sing this before we go. Yeah.